Welcome to Easter term. The sun is coming out, lockdown is easing, and that means season seven of Switchboard is here. I'm Izzy, and I'll be your host this term, joined by a new guest host each week as I keep you in the loop, bringing you Cambridge news and voices wherever you are. This term, at the start of each episode, we're bringing you three headlines we think you should know about. In Cambridge News, the Cambridge Student Union, in collaboration with the Women's Campaign, are to run a campaign from the 7th to the 11th of July, raising awareness and continuing the discussion about safe nights out. Varsity reports that, among other goals, the campaign aims to foster a culture of consent in Cambridge and intends to protect student safety on nights out. Good news for England and COVID, June 1st was marked as the first day with zero COVID deaths. The BBC reports that the UK's daily death rate, the number of people being admitted to hospital, and those catching the virus have fallen from a peak reached in January. Now, we wait for June 14th to hear what the last stage of the government's roadmap for England's lockdown lifting will be. In Earth Science News, on Thursday, June 10th, a solar eclipse was visible by a large part of the Northern Hemisphere. The eclipse was what is called an annular eclipse, which refers to the ring of light which glows around the edge of the moon that passes across the front of the sun. Although the best view was inaccessible and in the Arctic, much of the eastern United States, northern Alaska, Canada, Greenland, and bits of Europe and Asia as well will have gotten a glimpse. And now, on to the episode. Welcome to episode six of Switchboard. This week, we're finding out what the divide between the north and the south of England, Ireland, and Italy actually mean to students from those regions. Are the stereotypes true? Why do these divides exist? And what is the Greg's line? To answer these questions, I'm joined by Alex, who will guest host the episode with me as we uncover the truth about the North-South Divide. Alex, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, so uh, I'm Alex. I am a fourth year who studies MML at Homerton. I am the digital editor for this term at Varsity, and I am from the North. You're from the North, so what is like the most common stereotype about the North from people who are not from the North? There's maybe a couple. There's maybe like the urban stereotype and the rural stereotype now. I'm from the more rural side, so I'm from South Yorkshire. And so I think there's the stereotype of like rural farmers. We all drink like crazy. We're always in the pub. We don't feel the cold. And I think the urban stereotype, maybe if you don't picture someone as being from like a, a farm in the middle of nowhere, then they're from like Manchester or Liverpool or Newcastle which again comes comes with the idea of being able to drink like a sailor like that's just a common stereotype I think with the north is that we're all really good at drinking and there's definitely a stereotype that the north is not as rich as the south well I think that is the case like it the south is just better funded and a lot the south is a lot more expensive so I think yeah, there's probably a higher percentage of working class people up in the north. So that probably comes with the stereotype as well. But yeah, I think culturally, one of the biggest things, especially in cities, is that northerners will talk to strangers like in the middle of the street, like on a on a train, on a bus or whatever. Whereas in London or in the south, you would get on a bus and you would not want to talk to anybody. There's just a, a stereotype that northerners are friendlier, which I think I would agree with. Do you think you were aware of the divide between the north and the south 
um, before you came to university or is it something that you've become more aware of since kind of meeting people from other regions? What was your sort of experience with that concept like before and after? It was definitely something that I knew of beforehand because it was often something that just got joked about in my house. For context, my my dad is from Liverpool and my stepmom is from Kent. So there's always been, I've had one parent from the North and one parent from the South. And so it was always just something that would get joked about like, oh, my stepmom speaks differently to my dad. So my dad would make fun of it or vice versa. And also my dad has moved around the UK quite a lot. So you know, he lived in Kent, he lived in Cheshire, he did live in Liverpool for a bit. And so, yeah, I've definitely experienced the North and the South, the rural and the urban. And it's always been something that I'm quite aware of, but also know that it's just like quite fun. It's never something that was taken very seriously. So yeah, I think coming coming to Cambridge, it was something that I was very aware of and also very aware that I wanted to cling to my northern identity when I came to Cambridge. So I think all of my friends kind of know that I feel very strongly about like being seen as northern. Yeah, because you don't have like a super strong northern accent. So do people ever think that you're not northern? Like, do you have to remind them? No, I promise. I promise. I'm yeah. North. <laughs> no, even even back home, I think, like I said, I've grown up with southern influences. I've moved around a bit. Even back home, everyone was like, I, I I sound posh for where I come from which I understand like it makes sense I can hear it but I try I maybe lean into some of the other stereotypes to try and balance that out which I definitely made me feel more secure in a northern identity like when I was younger in Cambridge kind of trying not to lose it but yeah I think now I kind of can just say that I'm northern and I don't it doesn't bother me as much particularly now I think definitely in my, the first couple of years of uni was something I tried to cling to. Yeah, no, that makes sense, especially if you're coming into uni. Do you think, so you're saying there's some kind of like elements of other stereotypes that you've clung to. Are there like cultural differences between the North and the South that extend beyond like class or or accents? I know you mentioned that people are friendlier. Are there other things like that that are, change the way you might present yourself if you were trying to be more or trying to lean into your your northern identity I think there's definitely a stereotype that the south is more sophisticated or the south yeah the south is is posher and kind of there's more of a pressure to be a bit more polite and it feels a little bit more traditional like British stereotype for the rest of the world I suppose and then in the north you can be a bit of a mess it's cool people will relate and yeah I think definitely just that they can be friendlier to people in the street but then on the flip side of that there's also the stereotype that northerners can be friendlier but they can also be more aggressive maybe it's just that northerners are louder but yeah I think that that can be a flip side to the stereotype but I think culturally there was definitely a big thing with like UK media where until like for quite some time there was kind of a ban on different accents being on the tv and stuff like that the whole of the uk was subjected to like media that was only in a very like queen's english rp type english accent and even like scottish accents welsh accents irish accents didn't really appear on uk media and so i almost think it's only 
like fairly recently that we were starting to get more like Scottish, Irish, Welsh accents on our TV. It's only more recently that we're starting to get like a variety of English accents on the TV as well. So I think, I don't know, maybe maybe media portrayal will kind of affect cultural identity with the North and other regions. I don't know, but I think it definitely means that there's that the South can relate stronger to the very like typical British stereotypes than maybe the North can. That's really interesting, actually, especially because something like the media has so much power to influence what people think of places that they're not from or places that they don't have any like lived experience engaging with. So if you're completely erasing the fact that any other forms of British accents exist, that's a big, it's a big move. Um, <laughs> Do you so do you think it's important to maintain that kind of distinction between regional accents or do you think because it, it seems like people in the UK are really they, they're really into the idea of having, you know, their own accent and it's different from everybody else's and there's a lot of regional identity that comes with having those accents. Do you think that that's something like there's value to that or is it just like a petty kind of like focus on on those differences? I think you could see it either way. I think on the one hand, yes the north-south divide argument is like is a petty bit of fun um realistically we're not that we're not that different like judging someone based on whether they're northern or southern is a bit of a stupid way to judge them but I think as long as you don't take it too seriously it can be a bit of fun because there is usually a kind of cultural difference maybe the cultural difference is becoming more of a difference between cities and then the countryside particularly now that we've got places like Manchester that are becoming a lot closer to somewhere like London that the country's kind of investing in and paying a lot of attention to and making that city a lot more like London. I'm wondering whether, yeah, it will become more of an urban-rural divide than a north-south one. But, yeah, I think also the different accents are that there's something that exists and there's a reason for them because of historical influences. Like, there's a reason... The Liverpool accent, for example, is the way it is. And it's because of the Welsh influences in it and the Irish influences, is it because there's been immigration from both of those regions over the years? And so there are there are often historical reasons for why those accents are the way they are. And I think they're definitely something to kind of celebrate while we've got them with that, because the opposite, as we've seen maybe in the past, is kind of saying that one accent is the proper accent and trying to train other accents out of out of everyone else I think there's definitely more of a value to celebrating difference in accents than like just trying to quash them I, I completely agree yeah I think it's I think it's nice to remember that there that there are cultural differences even within one country and and sometimes those regional differences and, and maintaining the knowledge of those is the kind of thing that like means that a little dialect somewhere in a little village gets to live around for another 50 years or you know some food that's traditionally made in just one you know county or something like that those kinds of things get to be continued if you're able to celebrate and not in like a kind of nationalistic way but just celebrate in like a you know in a in a nice way the fact that there are that these regional differences do exist but that we're all you know also all part of um, well not me but also all part of a, <laughs> um, a larger country um yeah well on that note thank you so much for being here to host this episode i'm very excited no problem thank you so much for having me first we spoke to daniel 
who's from Northern Ireland, to learn more about the historical and cultural reasons for the divide between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland, and the consequences of that divide. I'm Daniel Fry, and I go to Homerton and study history, and I'm from Northern Ireland. So some of the other north-south divides that we've been talking about have been within within a country. Your north-south divide is a little bit more concrete than that. It's like a physical one country and another country. Um, but do you want to give a little overview of what, what that actually means, what the difference between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland is? Uh, so, yeah, um, we've done a bit of this in history throughout school. It's, it's a focus of a lot of sort of GCSE and A-level work. Um, and it would be really back in 1921, um, Ireland was partitioned between North and South by um, Prime Minister David Lloyd George. And so that's 100 years this year of, of that partition. And it was um, a conflict between unionism and nationalism. And at the time, sort of Protestantism and Catholicism as well, but not as much now, I don't think. Um, and it was the process of home rule, which was sort of um, on the go and uh, Ireland wanted their own government away from Westminster. And there was unionists who were sort of concentrated in the north um, of Ireland who um, did not want this and, and were resisting that. And in the end, no agreement could be reached. And so the um, six of the northern counties um, were then partitioned from the rest of Ireland so that they could remain under Westminster rule. And then the rest of Ireland and the Republic went on to get their independence. Um, are there any cultural differences that come with that, like kind of political divide as well? Yeah, so a big part of it would be the sort of the flags, the tricolor for um, Ireland, the sort of uh, green, white and gold. And then, of course, the Union Jack uh, flag. And that can bring a lot of cultural differences. You have, um, for example, the sort of uh, 12th of July, um, which is a big event for the Unionists, um, which would be about uh, celebrating the Battle of the Boyne. So it's a sort of a Protestant sort of um, occasion that's celebrated there. And then not so much to the extent, but you do have St. Patrick's Day. It would more be celebrated by maybe nationalists. A lot of Unionists would celebrate it too, but it does have that sort of more Southern Irish uh, sort of sentiment to it. And within that, you know, there is this sort of religious side to it as well. It's not as prominent now as it was so long ago, and even during the Troubles, I suppose, which isn't too too far back. But, you know, Protestantism and Unionism are, are considered synonymous in Catholicism and, Catholicism and uh, nationalism as well. So uh, there's a religious aspect to it uh, too. But between the North and the South, yeah, it's it can be hard. I don't know too much um, about the sort of culture of the South, but you can definitely see a cultural divide between um, the, uh, the two communities in Northern Ireland, the ones that would prefer to be part of the South and, and those who prefer to be in the UK. And I think that's most prominently seen on the 12th of July with the bonfires in which a lot of Irish tricolours will be burnt on bonfires in a sort of derogatory way, which is never too good, but that would be where you see it at its most sort of brutal. That's really, really interesting. And like, I think Northern Ireland seems to be in a very unique position that the divide is much less cultural or geographical. Like, like you were saying, there's a split even in Northern Ireland between kind of unionists and nationalists, the North and the South, for want of a better word for it. And it's almost, it's less about things like accent or kind of cultural stereotypes, I suppose, than necessarily it is in other nations. So I don't know, do you ever find that it, like, that it will affect your day-to-day -day life in Northern Ireland? Like, if you meet someone, do you want to find out, like, are they a unionist or a nationalist? Or, like, is it something that you just kind of avoid, I guess, because it's quite easy to, because it's not, you can't tell from an accent, for example? 
Yeah, so that's really interesting and it's so different for everyone. For me personally, um, my dad is from Dublin, my mum is from Belfast, so I've always grown up sort of with two sides going on and it's left me in a position where I, I don't, I really, really do not care um, when it comes to people like that. And that's my opinion. I know people who would be very different to that. Within my friend group at home, I have no people who are unionists and I know people who are nationalists. And I mean, that doesn't affect our friendship in any way. And people feel like they can discuss and debate about it. Um, I know, yeah, me and my friends at home, some of them have very different opinions to me, but it doesn't affect that. But that's not always the case. I know there are definitely people, especially communities out there, who would definitely be very much, would be rejecting um, that sort of, anyone who was not sort of a unionist or nationalist, there can be very sort of radical extremes in certain communities where that would be a big deal. And sort of places, I know places that, um, certain areas where people from other communities wouldn't go. Um, and, you know, we have peace walls still in Northern Ireland. Some of them, um, obviously tourist attractions, some of them, but some of them still very much uh, operational between communities and crossing through there would very much not be a good idea for some of them. I've said this before we started recording, but I have a housemate who's from the same area as you, I think is in quite a similar position. And she has often talked about how there's a bit of a generational gap. Yeah, um, so there definitely is. My, well, my grandparents um, would be, have been, so from my grandparents from the North, would be, have been, come from a very, very strong unionist community. And um, and then my, my mother would have grown up in that as well. And um, yeah, so I've had lots of conversations with my granny about it. She's not, um, she is a unionist, you know what I mean? She wants to be part of the UK, but she's not very, um, you know what I mean? She has no ill will towards any other community at all, completely not at all. But it is interesting having conversations with her. She obviously lived through the Troubles and very much has that unionist perspective. And I remember having conversations with her when I started learning about the Troubles at GCSE. Um, and you get the nationalist perspective there. And I remember having interesting conversations with her where I'd bring in perspectives she hadn't heard. And, you know, she would share her personal um, stories as well. And yeah, so I'd say there's definitely a divide there. You know what I mean? As you sort of come down, I think the generations you find uh, people sort of start to care a bit less about those the sort of divides going on. But then again, there are, as I said, communities where people my age would be. They're the people who are um, very strong now. We had um, recently over the Irish Sea border, which is sort of one of the results of Brexit, there's been a lot of unionist sort of tension over that, not wanting this division between Northern Ireland and the rest of the UK. And we had riots concerning that just before I got back to Cambridge and sort of must have been early April. And a lot of those people, a lot of people arrested at those riots would be my age and younger. And so they've come, they are in a community where throughout the generations, it hasn't really weakened, but just sort of it's been passed on and they still have feelings as strong as their grandparents would have had. That's really interesting, though. One of the things that we talked about in, a, in another interview was um, the way that like dialects have kind of changed over time and how that might have been a more distinct a difference between different regions and that as like language becomes more standardized that sort of um fades away and it sounds like that's kind of a similar um a similar thing that's happening like so clearly the unionist nationalist divide is is pretty significant but are there any like regional differences or regional um divisions within northern ireland that don't have to do with the republic and that are like unique to different regional cultures within the country it's hard to know now. I think that the sort of county of Derry, London Derry, would have been um, a very predominantly nationalist back um, sort of when the sort of 1960s, 70s troubles were starting out. I don't know about it now. I think it probably still would be, but um, that would be examples. That's a whole county that there's obviously unionist people who live there, but um, it would be sort of a predominantly nationalist area 
but then you get places like West Belfast um, in, in our capital city and that is like where communities who are unionist and nationalists live right beside each other and that's why you have peace walls between them. And so that's again about dialect and um, you can have, you know, there's more country accents in Northern Ireland, I suppose, and, um, you know, they were maybe more associated with Catholicism back in the day, maybe not as much now, but um, definitely like West Belfast dialect and um, those communities live so close together, they would have, they would speak sort of um, that sort of similar dialect accent, but um, they would have very much diverging views. But yeah, most of the regional divides are really still sort of focused on that UK, United Ireland sort of perspective. What is your kind of conception of how the Republic would view the North? Because obviously we've got quite an idea of how the Republic is viewed in the North, but how do you think the relationship goes the other way? Yeah, it's it's definitely one I, I don't know too much about. Um, it's always something that comes up when people consider United Ireland, and I really think, do the Republic of Ireland really want Northern Ireland and all its problems to have to deal with? But um, I know there's people in the South who would want a United Ireland, you know, they're still passionate about that. Um, but at the same time, I remember my aunt, I think, told me uh, that one of the, well, this is one of the nicknames for the uh, the North and Down South that some people would use is the Black North, which is fair enough, I would say. But uh, yeah, so I think there's very much mixed opinions. You know, North, I think, you know, sort of from an ideological point of view of the United Ireland and, you know, independence, people in the South would want you know, that United Ireland, but Northern Ireland does have a lot of issues and the idea of United Ireland coming around would cause a lot of conflict in the North. And you know what I mean? I can't really blame the South for not really wanting to put up with that and have to deal with that. But I think it is, people would want United Ireland, but the consequences that would come from it and, you know, this, the Republic's government having to deal with that would be quite, that would be quite a lot to deal with. So I think there's sort of a mixed emotion there of, of wanting it, you know, it being the ideal, but there having to be a lot of work to go through for it to, to become a reality. Thank you so much for being here. It was really lovely getting to speak to you. No worries. Thank you for having me. Next, we spoke to Sara, a fellow Italian, to offer an outside perspective into the UK-North-South divide and to discuss the North-South divide that exists within Italy as well. My name is Sara. Um, I come from Italy. Um, I'm from like a small city in the north called Trento. Um, and yeah, I'm studying Chinese here at Cambridge. In Rome, um, so kind of central-south. Um, so we will both be familiar with the regional divide in in Italy. Do you think there's a strong regional divide between the North and the South? I personally think that like that definitely is, um, both in terms of like I mean, cultural difference, if you, if you can say so, I mean, given that it's still the same country, but I definitely think that there is quite a strong difference between the North and the South. What kind of cultural um, differences could you, would you be able to pick out between the North and the South? Is it really obvious or is it more like nuanced? I think like, I think the most noticeable thing is definitely going to be like, I don't know, in terms of accents, um, like just like, yeah, language, the way people speak. And also like, I have to say that having just, having like only lived in the North of Italy, like I've been exposed to a lot of like stereotypes or like descriptions of like people from the South that might not. In fact, I know that a lot of them actually are not necessarily um, like true, um, but at least so like from a Northerner perspective, there are definitely certain things that people in the North like say and think about people in the South. So, so for example, like, and I, I mean, 
most of them are like stereotypes like people from the south are just lazy or like things in the south just just like doesn't work like you know like healthcare like bureaucracy like all the other kind of stuff like we complain about those like in general when it comes to Italy but I feel there is a sense that like things in the south are just like worse um so like again like I wouldn't obviously they're not like objective difference if you can say that but at least in the way that people perceive you know like the differences between the north and the south there is definitely um that element I'd say yeah well I think so I mean part of the problem is I haven't lived in Italy my whole life so I haven't gotten to have the like full immersive experience but there's definitely even from a Roman perspective that people more southern than Rome Mm -hmm. are lazier than Romans like so we're already kind of feeding into that as well what we definitely get here is I think often your kind of southern rp accent is your really educated accent in the, in england and then if you're from uh, a more urban place maybe somewhere that's more industrial like birmingham or liverpool or newcastle those kind of very distinctive accents are immediately thought of as like less educated and things like that do you have a similar connotation of like certain accents are less educated than others well that definitely because like because the south is seen as like um, I don't want to say less cultured, but like sometimes it's seen like that. So I think someone with a very strong, say, like Sicilian accent or like an accent from like Naples and stuff like that, I think that there is the assumption that because they are immediately recognizable as being from that region, so then there is the assumption that yes, it's less cult, it's less cultured in a way. But I don't know. I feel it might be a bit different from the UK in the sense that because there is so much like regional differences. I mean, I'm sure. That's that applies to the UK as well. But because there is so much regional difference within Italy, I feel that even in the north, like there are like certain accents from like various northern regions that would be seen as like less cultured. Than, um, yeah, well, because I was thinking about how like even just within Rome, if your accent is distinguishable, either as being more Italian than Roman, mm-hmm. you immediately come across as more educated or more like um, just like Sara was saying, like it's a little bit more proper. Whereas if you have a really like distinguishable, particularly Southern Roman accent, that says a lot about you. And it's also a big class indicator as well. So that mm. comes into it. Like there's there's um like classed accents in Rome. And so you can tell what neighborhood someone's from based on the accent that they have. And, and that is also a big like, so weirdly, like there's a divide even just within the city. Yeah. I feel like I weirdly got the opposite in the sense that I think for where I'm from, I don't know if it's because I like members of my family are from the South and I've had Southern influences. So although I do have a Northern accent, it's quite weak. Um, so back home, I would almost get like the opposite of being teased for having that more like standard English accent. They'd be like, oh, you sound, you sound posh. Do you think there's any other ways? I'm trying to think if there's any other ways that like you can identify somebody's um, like where regionally someone is from other than an accent. I guess this kind of comes into accent, but I guess sometimes like you'll have slang in different regions and things That's like that, kind of ways of speaking rather than necessarily how you say those words. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you have the same, if there's a similar kind of difference between the North and the South in Italy. Um, there definitely is. Um, like, I mean, what comes to mind is again, maybe more like closely related to like regional differences rather than strictly north-south. But for instance, I don't know, like people from like Tuscany, like that area, I feel like they have like 
um, sort of like a way of like, or like even just using past like tenses, like there is this past tense that like not many other people really use. Um, mm -hmm. But then like if someone use, or at least like in the North, not many people do, but then I feel it's more commonly used like in like Tuscany or like in more in the South. And I was just thinking like, I guess maybe something like, I don't know if you could, could call it like attitude, but I feel again, from a Northern perspective, I feel there is often the impression that like people from the South are like more loud or like are generally more like noticeable when, you know, like when going around, like, yeah, you know, this sense of like, oh, they're just more chill, like, you know, um, which again, like, I'm not really sure like how to separate this, the like stereotype that plays into the image from what is actually um, the case. And kind of, do you feel like, Although you know these stereotypes about people from the South or different regions, do you feel like it ever actually affects your judgment of other people when you meet them? Yeah, like I guess like the problem with stereotypes is that like they're so pervasive, but then it becomes really difficult to like see the person that's in front of you as a person. Um, like I know that there there are like so like there's definitely like some like slurs or like derogatory terms that people from the North used to refer to people from the South and Kind of like the opposite way um around as well um so i think yeah that definitely um mm -hmm. sort of like influences the way in which then people approach each other based on those regional differences yeah i definitely get that in the sense that even almost instinctively if i hear someone's got a southern accent particularly one that is more standard than necessarily regional i will I'll have an assumption of, oh, they're probably someone who's at least middle class, if not upper class. They're probably someone who's, you know, potentially come here because they went to private school or something mm -hmm. like that, has probably had uh, a kind of higher income background. Um, and then obviously, if it turns out that's not the case, then that's fine. But it is, it's an immediate kind of assumption. Yeah, definitely. There's like from the Southern or Roman perspective, there's definitely the assumption, especially if you're from Milan, that you're posh and that you're, you know, you're going to be kind of snobby and, and you're yeah. going to have an attitude about things. I was, I'm curious, um, Sada, after, I don't know how long you've been in the UK, but have you been able to pick up on the fact that there is a divide uh, between the North and the South here? Is that noticeable? Um, yeah, I feel like bef like bef before um, before um, coming here, I I had no idea because like I've lived in Italy my whole life. I came here like university um, four years ago, and from the outside, like, it's very you know like monolithic. You know like it's just like they just speak English. Um, um, and so like definitely, especially at the start when people would like make comments on like different accents, I was like, what like. Uh, you all sound the same um <laughs> but I feel no after having like your um after having lived here um, a bit longer I've definitely sort of like grown like more like attuned to like um differences in the way in which people speak and the different assumptions and stereotypes that mm -hmm. are associated with it as well what about you Izzy I think have you kind of had a similar experience I suppose so I've definitely like started to understand the kind of like conceptually the differences between the north and the south and like mm -hmm what it means if you're from the north and what it means if you're from the south but at a very basic level i'm still not quite at the point where i could hear somebody and say like you're from here but it's super interesting also like hearing people who i think have really similar accents then say oh no we're actually from really different places or people who will kind of like i've a lot of people 
have accents that make them sound like they're kind of from London or from around London, but then aren't. And also the sort of implications of that as well are really interesting. I don't know why here specifically, I it does feel like Londoners are in their own kind of separate category. Um, it's almost a microcosm of that regional divide because there's so many different accents within London, kind of East End, West End. I think they have their own little microcosm of a North, South, East, West divide that I have no clue how that works. You, how does the rest of the UK or the rest of England see London? We definitely know they're the part of England that has all the money (laughs) (laughs) Um, and is often the only part of England that the government cares about. Um, So like you were saying, Sara, about how the South is the place in Italy where nothing seems to work. I think that's the North (laughs) for England, just because things like the government's budget you know, we get our public transport cut all the time and things like that. We get less money for our NHS mm-hmm. and things like that. Often cities will be okay, um, but often the kind of more rural places, even towns, if anything isn't a big, big city, then yeah, it, it's rare things work. That's yeah. interesting as well, that there are some kind of like structural reasons for the divide as well. It's not just like a cultural thing. I don't know, Sada, do you have any like, thoughts about why there is the regional divide in Italy like um I don't, yeah I don't know why it, it might be that way well there's definitely like historical and systemic slash structural and um, structural reasons um, behind that um like way back when like Italy sort of like unified and became its own country like those dynamics were already like in place there and like the south like having been like a predominantly like agrarian sort of like environment um like a part of the monarchy whereas like the north was already starting to like industrialize I, I think that sort of definitely explains why like at an institutional level let's say there are like I think differences um, um but no definitely like I feel Aside, like aside from cultural reasons, I think there are like, like really sort of like long-standing, like systemic and historical um, reasons. Um, so, yeah, no, definitely, I I would agree. Like, there's a reason why, like, the north of Italy looks a lot more like kind of the rest of Europe, and the south yeah. of Italy it feels a little bit stuck back in time in yeah. in some ways. Um, and even like I'm thinking about the the metro in Rome versus the metro in Milan is like there's like 12 lines in Milan for a city that's like a quarter of the size of Rome that has two lines oh Um, wow and buses catch on fire you know like there's it's it's, it's like (laughs) a running joke that like the public transport in Rome is so unreliable um, especially for such a big city as well yeah Um, yeah so definitely it's funny how like things not working is such a big part of the regional divide like that is a fundamental element it seems like if things don't work like it's very clear where you're from I mean this is kind of a question for for both of you but do you kind of think I think in the UK there is a perception that we're unique in having lots of regional variety or we have like the most regional difference maybe just because of the large like variety of accents and do you feel that that is arrogance on the UK's part? Or do you think we're being petty for having such regional differences, I guess, or just being completely unaware that this is the same for every single country? I think the latter, like the, yeah. la- the latter, like, <laughs> last thing you just say, but which I think to be fair, like 
um because again like from the outside the mm. uk just feels you know like a very sort of monolithic entity where everyone speaks just like just like the queen and whatever <laughs> i mean not maybe not so but i feel like when you're not living in a country and like you're not that aware of like the like specific like the specific way a specific way in which like i don't know like um like that particular cultural society works i feel it's definitely easier to sort of gloss over and in terms of regional differences i think italy like definitely has uh, like a good uh, good variety um just um yeah like north south regions um cities within regions um cities versus countryside i guess like just sort of just kind of were like what you were saying with the uk i think italy is like is very diverse um in that area as well but again like that is definitely true for like a lot of other places in the world yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, even in Italy, like, there's so many different dialects as well, which is, if if anything, like, more diverse than the UK, because there's different versions of the same language. Like, I would never, ever be able to understand, like, the Neapolitan dialect, because it's, yeah. like, a whole other language. It's, it's crazy. Is there anything close to dialects in the UK? Like, maybe slang, I guess, would get you um, kind Yeah, of- that's a good question, actually, because, like, dialects definitely, like, are a big thing in Italy. There definitely used to be, because I know um, Cornwall has its own dialect that, I guess, on a smaller scale than maybe Wales, I think they are trying to kind of revive the dialect a little bit. Um, and so I'm from the like South Yorkshire, Lincolnshire border, and I know Lincolnshire used to have its own dialect that I remember, oh, it must be like, must have been at least like five years ago now. It was like a news segment of the these farmers trying to kind of resurrect the dialects and things like that um but I think it's definitely a dying thing if not already dead in England specifically <laughs> but do you think that the, the reason that these dialects are still so present in Italy is because they there's kind of a communal uh, like acknowledgement that they are so integral to the culture there's kind of a conscious effort to keep them alive mm. um I don't really think so, but there are like, um, like different languages, but they're not dialect, like that, like the, the like their own languages, mm-hmm. um, that like are spoken by minority communities, um, mm-hmm. like Ladino, Timbro, Mocno, and like the government is making conscious efforts to sort of like teach them in schools and like sort of preserve them, um, but because now they're spoken by so few people, yeah. um, kind of, I mean, similar to what you have in the UK, I guess, with like Welsh and like, um, other like. But again, like there are that like the wrong languages. Um, for dialects, um, I think, I mean, it's maybe sad, but I think it's sort of um because kind of applicable to a lot of other places, like sort of like slowly getting to a more like sort of homogenized, like homogeneous version of just like spoken Italian. Well, thank you so much for being here. This was really great. It was really nice to meet you and chat with you. Yes, thank, thank you for you. having me. It was lovely chat. Finally, we spoke to Georgie, who gave us a Midlands perspective and expanded our debate between simply the North and the South, as well as teaching me about the Greg's line. Well, would you like to start out by introducing yourself and where in England you are from? Yeah, so my name is Georgie and I'm from a town called Hinkley, which is north of Coventry and south of Leicester and then just kind of east of Birmingham. So very much in the middle. Okay, so you're you're kind of you're in a weird spot because you're not the North and you're not the South. Do you like identify very strongly with being from the middle? Is that a like is that a category? I think it should be a category in the debate, particularly when the debates in Cambridge, because everyone in Cambridge who isn't 
actually from the north would tell me that I'm a northerner because I have short A sounds and you know people don't go on holiday to like Birmingham it's just nothing that happens and I think so in the Cambridge context I feel northern but not northern enough to be in northern sock or anything like that but then my friends went to university in Coventry, Lancaster, a bunch of other places that aren't in the south and they all think I sound southern and have become more southern from being in Cambridge so yeah and I think as well so where I'm from if I got a fast train from the next town I could be in London in an hour which is basically comparable to being in Cambridge but it it doesn't feel like kind of the home counties or very London centered at all like if people are doing things you'd be going to Leicester or Birmingham so yeah it's quite different in that way. I guess you were saying that people consider you as northern but you don't feel northern like do you feel like you have to kind of explain that you're from somewhere in the middle? Well the first person I met in Cambridge didn't know where I was from so she was northern Irish and she thought I was Irish don't know why I said Leicester and then she was just like where's that and then I suddenly had this moment of like oh it's true like everyone is from the south no one's got any concept of anywhere north of here but I was just at that moment I was like no one's ever gonna understand but obviously that's not true. Do you feel like you can be in a objective kind of like outsider to the north south debate or do you do you fit in somewhere in the in the two categories if I got to choose a category I think I'd rather be northern but there's a a concept called the Greg's line I really enjoy this concept because it proves to me the existence of the Midlands and the fact that I am from the Midlands Greg's is like a kind of takeaway pasty shop most notable for sausage rolls yeah so the idea of the the Greg's line is that north of the Greg's line is where there are a lot of Greg's and south of the, the Greg's line there aren't so many Greg's because I personally love Greg's and also kind of if I'm in somewhere somewhere northern I feel like I relate to it more whereas where I'm somewhere southern I feel like it's like oh I'm being kind of my Cambridge persona that's more comfortable in the south more comfortable in London no that's actually that's actually really interesting because I wonder do you think that's like indicative of a wider like north south division in terms of culture like you were saying you feel more comfortable in the north is that because there's something about the north that's more familiar to you coming from the midlands or like and the south has like a different quality about it yeah I think one of the main things would be kind of how approachable people are and I think also there's probably an element of like rural and urban um difference as well so I've now moved into this town that I was talking about but I used to live in a village a mile away and I think being somewhere rural people are you know you'll chat to anyone in the street in the park walking a dog people like check up on each other and I think that is something that I've experienced even in northern cities like in Liverpool which was like a little bit like oh I'm not expecting to like have a chat while I'm buying my Greggs which I did do in Liverpool whereas it's a stereotype I think there's a truth in it that when you're in the south people don't really don't really do that but I've only really been to cities in the south. Having come from a similar kind of in terms of the rural urban divide a very similar situation to you Georgie where I grew up in a very small village but also have lived in a few different cities one of them being Liverpool and I'm now in a small town and yeah I think the difference between that kind of village community of everyone knows everyone's business everyone talks to everyone you know you see someone in the street if you know them you're gonna chat to them yeah if you don't know them it's because they don't live here obviously there are there are northern stereotypes there are southern stereotypes do you feel like the midlands has its own kind of cultural identity in that sense I think I don't know whether it's just me but I don't feel like there's a particularly strong midlands cultural identity that I would identify with I think it's hard but then yeah if I had to pick an identity then I'd feel like from where I'm from people would think of the north as being something that you would want rather than the southern stereotypes do you think that the 
The stronger desirability for a northern identity comes from a class divide in the sense that you know if you if you identify more with a southern identity then you're going to get those those connotations of oh you're posh i think that probably is quite a big factor particularly in the context of cambridge and the private school versus state school um debate there's an element of feeling more northern it's kind of more like state school and therefore it's like more hard working and like my school wasn't really very good but there was kind of one person each year that that went to oxbridge so it didn't kind of feel like you know i couldn't i couldn't go at all but it was definitely kind of like you've got to try really hard if you want to do that whereas when you meet people one of the things i was really about when I came to Cambridge was people from the south they would all have been to the same schools so they would all already know each other and have friends in common and similar experiences so yeah I think the the class element is definitely a part of it and then that ties into the approachability and the friendliness because the southern stereotype is a bit more kind of formal and exclusive compared to anyone can come and sit next to me on the bus and I'll chat to them and kind of find out about their life. That's really interesting actually how there's such a distinct divide is there is there like a historical reason for that kind of class divide like was the north has the north historically been like a more industrial region like I don't this is just me like not knowing very much about England yeah but there is a historical reason and I study history so we could talk about this for a long time but yeah so in the kind of industrial revolution period of like sort of 18th century to the Midlands including where I'm from and kind of north of that were more industrial and each city was kind of associated with particular trade so and yeah it was very industrial and people kind of moved from rural areas and I think there was a lot of kind of pride around like the production in each in each area Whereas in the South, there was more of an agrarian economy and also the, like London has been really prominent in kind of English history for a long time. And London kind of, I've heard people say that it sort of like sucks their culture and like independent businesses out of like areas around London, which is more of a recent phenomenon of the agrarian thing. But yeah, I think that's part of it. And then also in more recent history, Birmingham and Leicester are kind of associated with um, a lot of migration. So like Indian migration, for example, Leicester apparently has the biggest um, Diwali festival outside of India. Um, which is quite cool so yeah I think the demographic makeup is also different um so yeah it's British history like has been marked by this divide I would say that's really interesting I mean it makes sense that there's like some historical um kind of context to this yeah it, it makes a lot of sense I think in the way that the country has ended up or England specifically has ended up being structured one thing the kind of thinking about the Midlands other than the conversations that I've had with you in the past when when someone hears the Midlands they immediately think Birmingham do you think that I guess what it what is your opinion on people sort of assuming that the Midlands is Birmingham and nothing else is that something that you can identify with not being from Birmingham yourself and do you feel like there there should be more nuance to the idea of a Midlands identity I think that's an interesting question I feel like Birmingham is like a regional hub and I suppose part of the reason why that's kind of where the Midlands identity is fixed is because I think people in Birmingham kind of don't nest I mean I don't know I'm not from there but like I would say they probably would have quite a strong sense of identity that isn't related to the north or south side whereas people that are south of Birmingham probably want to be associated with the south more likely and then people north of Birmingham will be like oh I'm north of Birmingham therefore I'm in the north so I feel like there is a bit of a reason for it and also the kind of the the Birmingham accent is like quite specific so it's quite obvious or it's often quite obvious if you're speaking to somebody from Birmingham that that's where they're from whereas city accents like are usually stronger 
so I think a big thing is accents because that's kind of the first the first way that people decide for themselves where you're from yeah that's come up a lot actually that accents are like the biggest indicator of of regional differences like when you hear somebody's accent has that ever impacted how you think of them or how you like categorize them yeah I think if I said no I would be lying to us all because yeah I do think like particularly in the Cambridge context kind of if you hear somebody with a southern accent you kind of get the sense that like they I don't want to say that they belong but like if you were being quite kind of cynical you'd be like okay well you're southern so like this kind of place is sort of made for you whereas if it's somebody northern like you're more likely to be like okay like maybe you're more like me but obviously that's you know completely dismisses all elements of nuance and like I'm not trying to say that people from the south didn't work hard to get here because that's not true it definitely impacts how I perceive people and how other people perceive me no that does make sense I mean it's I guess maybe unfortunate that that's the way that it is and I guess that's kind of a product of the stereotypes that come along with being from particular regions mm-hmm. um but it does make me wonder were you aware of the like north south division before coming to uni or was that something that became more evident once you were in a place with maybe a more mixed environment of people with different accents and from different regions I think I was aware of it but it did become more prominent when I arrived I also think one thing that we haven't mentioned yet is the southwest <laughs> Um, which I think the Southwest is also very different to the South East. So I have a friend who went to university in Plymouth and like having been down to see her and having been to um, visit people in Gloucestershire and like lived in Gloucestershire for a bit. There's like a whole new identity and a whole new accent, which while it, you know, technically like geographically is Southern, kind of the Cambridge version of Southern, which I associate with London, Surrey, Kent, like the home counties in general. So I think probably over time I've become more aware that, you know, obviously the South isn't a monolith but the southwest so yeah it's not just the south and the north that's probably an important part of it as well and like even you with the midlands perspective like bring that into the into the question like there's actually far more regional divides than just the north and the south um yeah and that definitely comes into play as well. I mean, I think Cambridge is probably not like the best representation of like the divides, especially on a class level, the divides um, in the UK, because I would imagine this is a pretty, like a, a pretty curated representation of um, of the sort of regional makeup um, of England, but still definitely interesting to see the way that those kind of stereotypes and, and divisions play out in a like smaller context. Since it sounds like the Midlands is kind of underrepresented, do you have, like, if you had to give a defense for the Midlands, what would you, what would you say? I think that saying there's a North-South divide is massively oversimplifying things. One, by kind of suggesting that the South is monolith and the North is monolith, but also kind of like, where does Scotland fit in, for example? Like, obviously, geographically, it's in the North, but is it the same as Northern England? Probably not. What about Wales? What about the Southwest? And then I'd obviously, being from the Midlands, would add to that, what about the Midlands? I mean, the North-South debate can be something that's just humorous. Like, if you, people get really impassioned about what football team they support or whether their town has a Greggs or not, like, that can all be quite lighthearted some fun but if we're talking about a topic which is more serious and itself already has more more dimensions than just north south like for example access i think if we're talking about the north south divide and access we also really need to be thinking about so many other factors definitely agree i think it's like a good it's a good starting point for a much larger conversation about why it's like this and then kind of what needs to be happening or, or even just the conversations that need to be happening about even what's happening within the south or within the north rather than viewing them as two opposing um, regions like there's clearly a lot more going on even just within the two regions um, once you break it down into kind of smaller areas thank you so much for being here it was really lovely getting to speak to you thank you um, yes, good luck thank, with thank you so much. <laughs> that's all for episode six 
I definitely learned a lot about English culture and regional stereotypes and had a fun time getting to know what makes each region different and special. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that it made you reflect on your own perceptions of the North-South divide, whether in England or elsewhere. Thanks again to Alex for guest hosting, and we'll see you next week.